So there are questions like that that come up for me around this that I think are going to have to be answered so that the mm-hmm. logic of class of certification endures or evolves so that it continues Correct. to be useful moving forward and continues to be something that younger business owners feel like not only they want to take advantage of as a growth strategy, but feel right. like they can identify with. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore, but today I'm joined in studio with Matt Colicello. And in this episode, Matt and I are going to sit down and discuss some of the pitfalls of certification and what it could potentially look like in the future. Certifications is a huge tenant for supplier diversity today, and it can be used to validate the status of diverse-owned businesses and diverse suppliers, as well as signal company reputation and experience to prospective corporate partners. So where could certifications have some issues? Well, today, certifications evolve and adapt with time. So Matt, why don't we jump into this topic, which is often hotly debated inside the supplier diversity community. So glad to have you on today. I know Hey, so glad to be here. Excellent. And I know you're, you're, you're new to the scene, but not new to the scene, right? Yeah, well, I mean, before coming to Higher Ground, I've been working in economic justice spaces right. for years. Oh, um, yeah, sure. And so I've been exposed before this to a lot of kind of alternative models for uh, creating and running community-oriented businesses, um, for okay. all, all sorts of interesting alternatives to the, the way things are done conventionally. And also... Um, for several years, I ran my own business working with very large okay. nonprofits, and gotcha. I am a member of the LGBT community. So I have also right. been a minority supplier, although I never received certification. Gotcha. Okay. So to, to say that you've kind of been exposed to it's an understatement, right? You work for Higher Ground, which is an MWBE. You've been in the LGBTQ community, so you're kind of used to the NGLCC and their running. So you've had some experience kind of in this setting ecosystem that we deal with when we talk certifications. Definitely. But you know, what's interesting. And and I think, I think, well, something that I think would be great to talk about is that even though I was running my own business and was Mm -hmm. doing so as an out person for big nonprofits that were not, you know, Mm -hmm. aligned necessarily with, or even particularly interested in um, working with me as a minority supplier, um, right. I actually never knew about the NGLCC certification um, when I was running that business. And I think that that's probably something that a lot of minority women-owned and yeah. LGBTQ-owned businesses go through is, is actually yeah. just not even understanding that they 
have access to these certifications, let alone the issues with the certifications that we're going to talk about. Correct. Correct. Or that even that the certifications exist. Exactly. Right? I've well, talked to so many yeah. minority. Yeah, exactly. I've talked to so many minority businesses. They're like, we didn't even know this existed or we would have done right. this like 10 years ago. My father would have done this when he opened the business. Right. So right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not even that. It's just so much like there's so many minority owned businesses out there that just don't even know that they qualify for these certifications. Or that it's a growth strategy for them to get certified. Yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. So um, I think that kind of sets the stage well for our conversation this afternoon. Yes, yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, you know, I think one of the things that we need to kind of tackle or maybe open up is why did we have certification start, right? What was kind of the genesis behind this, right? Yes. And really and truly, if you look back in the 70s and the work that the government did at the time with AT&T and AT&T, I, I know we've talked about it on this show several times, kind of considered the granddaddy of all things supplier diversity, right? They're kind of one of the first corporates that really stepped out in this world, really started putting programs together, really even coined the phrase, right? Um, and certifications really developed out of a need of uh, essentially that there was not fraud taking place. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy. And, and even today, it's very it's very interesting. Women owned and veteran owned businesses are probably the two areas of the most concern for corporates around fraud in supplier diversity certifications. Why right? is that? It's, very, it's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. So thank you so much for setting me up for that. So think about it. So let's just take women-owned businesses first and foremost, right? So a husband and wife go together. They're going to start a business together, right? And maybe they're leaning on the husband's experience in consulting or sales or technology, maybe wherever Mm. he came from in the corporate world. And he's like, we can start a business together. And she's like, great. But maybe she starts out as doing some like more of the, what we call back office, admin, clerical, HR, payroll. I'm not demeaning those roles. So please, let's understand that in this conversation. I'm not saying those are minor roles. Let's just talk about division of responsibilities inside the company. Let's think about it that way, right? But they're both, at the end of the day, 50-50% owners of whatever business it is they started. Well, as he's going out to try to win business, he's losing business to other companies. He finally stops and goes, well, what's the differentiator between me and the other business? Oh, Hmm. they have a diverse certification. And he turns around and looks at his wife and goes, oh, you're a diverse entity. We're putting 51% of the business in your name, 49% in my name, bang, we're a woman-owned business, right? Right. Sounds great until you finally realize it breaks the spirit of what we're trying to do or accomplish in the supplier diversity world, right? And that is truly promote woman-owned or diverse-owned or LGBTQ-owned or veteran-owned businesses and promote them, right? And so what does that mean? So it finally forced us to define what it is, and that is somebody who makes kind of the final decisions, right? There's several different litmus tests we can use. Um, Are they the final authority in liquidating the business? Kind of a quick and easy, dirty way to do it, right? Do they understand the operational part of the business? Do they know what the day-to-day is? Are they doing kind of the final yes, no in contracts? Mm -hmm. Are they the ones that are in charge of the hiring, firing? Are they the highest paid in the company, right? So there's several different key questions that we look at. And I know this because personally, I volunteer for Novoba as a site visitor, right? So okay. it's kind of my responsibility to go in and say, take a list of questions and go, what is this? What is this? What is this? And that's some of my questions, right? It's like, are you the highest paid person who negotiates contracts? What does the day-to-day operations look like, right? And it helps us determine with a degree of due diligence of, yes, this person that is named the owner 
truly runs the business and it isn't just a figurehead. So that's really what right. certifications helped us do was take an honest look at the business structure and determine if the person that we're calling the owner is truly the owner or are they just there to try to make it look like a diverse owned business. Right. Right? So it's really right. to separate that, right? And then make sure that those truly diverse owned businesses aren't getting diluted by a bunch of other businesses that are kind of like mock-ups or Trojan horses, right? Yes. So that's kind of really the genesis behind certification and why they really are so critical. Right. You know, I mean, and I, I completely understand and respect the logic of that, especially coming yep. out of the context of, you know, the small business administration starting in the fifties and then minority business, right. you know, classification coming about over time in the sixties and then it being codified in the seventies. And at Correct. the same time, I feel like, you know, for anyone who's a millennial or Gen Z thinking about this, you know, we're breaking down identity in this way mm -hmm. that gets mm -hmm. at questions like, well, what is a woman? And that's true. You guys is, are. Mm -hmm. is, is race really such a stable, um, simple thing, right? And is what is said on your birth certificate actually how you identify? So there are questions like that that come up for me around this that I think are going to have to be answered so that the mm -hmm. logic of class of certification endures or evolves so that it continues Correct. to be useful moving forward and continues to be something that younger business owners feel like not only they want to take advantage of as a growth strategy, but feel right. like they can identify with. In so many ways, for me, as someone that's been in this part of the movement for economic justice for only about six right. months, mm -hmm. um, I really do see it as a movement. I, I know mm -hmm. that it's also about corporate goals and mm -hmm. reporting and governance. Sure. Absolutely. But it's also right. to me a movement right. and, and so many supplier diversity professionals really feel to me like, you know, dare I say it, activists, but within corporate spaces. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that, Matt. I think that's something that supplier diversity professionals need to realize that they are. They are activists, right? right? And, right. And, and if we're not working to move the conversation forward, then it's kind of like, what are you doing? doing right and certifications right. are some of those is one of those tools it's, and, and certification is just a tool right as you and i both know to help us have that conversation or further that conversation or get a corporate kind of comfortable with the conversation mm -hmm. right i'm sure you know you and i have talked off mic several times beforehand too right and it's and it's not so much that trying to get corporates to do the right thing as it's just trying to get them comfortable in the conversation right and i think right. certifications kind of help us create a safe space for corporates to have that conversation too. Right. Well, what I'm trying to think about is, so in a way, mm -hmm. what we're saying is like certifications become, and supplier diversity itself is yeah. a context where, you know, by and large, some more conventional corporate, sure. often, you know, majority white men, people who are in positions of power, who also probably maybe are more fiscally conservative, potentially, sure, how sure. they enter a wider social and economic discourse mm -hmm. around equity mm -hmm. and racial mm -hmm. justice. Um, mm -hmm. So that's on one hand. And then on the other right. hand, what I'm thinking okay. about is how do we get the conversation around certification to reflect mm -hmm. a little bit better the wider discourse and even maybe the, the cutting edge discourse around yeah. racial justice and equity uh, and, and, and race and identity itself in American culture, love which, that. you I know, love you that. know, how do we kind of use certification and supplier diversity as a, a place of mediation and discussion between yeah. the cutting edge on one hand and 
maybe a more conventional perspective on another, but a perspective that has to be integrated into the movement for equity and, yeah. and, and justice because they're yeah. the, the holders of so many resources. I, I completely agree with that. And I love that way of thinking, right? And when I look at supplier diversity, I look at it as a bastion that can help break down some of these uber conservative walls inside of corporate America. And I think what we have to realize that is in, in what makes supplier diversity such an awesome space and the idea of certification is such an awesome space is it allows us to have conversations about topics that maybe we're not comfortable about having elsewise, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. right? You don't feel comfortable about having conversations about interracial couples. Maybe you don't mm. feel comfortable about having conversations about LGBTQ plus issues and and things going on in that community. But you know what? When I start talking about suppliers, oh, okay, well, that's something I'm a little bit more comfortable talking about. But you know what? I realize that the person I'm talking to is a very real person that I'm creating a relationship with, that I am doing business with. And this certification kind of helps me feel comfortable in that conversation. The next thing you know, Mm -hmm. you've now developed a relationship with a person that maybe you would not have started out a relationship with. It drives the culture. It drives the conversation. To your point, it allows us to be activists, right? Without somebody feeling like they've now become an activist, but they've become a friend, right? And and the whole thing I know, and you and I have talked about this before, being allies, right? And creating allies. And I think certifications help us create allies out of people that maybe never thought of themselves as an ally beforehand. You know, It's, it's, it's really interesting when we... And, and I love where you're taking the conversation, right? When it when we take certification out of the are you, aren't you, the pass fail, the go, no go context, mm-hmm. right? That it probably, that it, not probably, that it did start out in. And we take it and we, and we, and we broaden it out as a, 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 a tool that helps us break down these barriers that we create. Uh, and we all do it, right? Well, I know we, we all do it because we're humans. That's just kind of part of who we are, but it helps us break that down, have a natural conversation where maybe we didn't feel like having the conversation beforehand. So I love that. I love that perspective of it. So that is actually some of the positives about certification. Huge positives. Yes. But we did also want to talk yeah. about some of the pitfalls. Yeah. <laughs> there are some pitfalls. No, sir. No, no system is perfect. <laughs> And, and you know what? Uh, the, the movement towards perfection is, const- is always a movement, right? It's, it's, it's always, always a-, a movement. You and I will, will go to our graves without having solved the problem, I'm afraid, right? But you know what? If we can at least have the conversations, we've done something. You're right. I think there are some problems with certifications. I think there are, in my opinion, and you know, if, if you differ with this, our listening audience, please feel free to chime in in any ways that you can interact with us. I think there are too many certifications. Okay. They, they almost become they almost become confusing, right? And 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 mm. when you ask somebody for their for their certifications, they give you this laundry list of documents, and you're like, I just really wanted to know if you're diverse owned or not. I, wow, you're a minority woman, veteran, LGBTQ. What there's one for airports. Uh, you're uh, a Native American. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I remember one day early in my career, I spoke to a black female veteran who was disabled in Bosnia, who was also a lesbian. I was like, I just knocked out everything except Asian in one supplier. My day is done, right? <sighs> so there's like almost too many, you know, It's and, and really at the end of the day, and that's what makes, and let me just explain something really fast about corporate reporting. Right. So we try to report on dollars we spend with diverse suppliers, right, as compared to our overall addressable spend. And then we try to break that out by diverse classification. Well, 
if I had hired this woman, right, who had veteran, disabled veteran, woman, minority, and LGBTQ+, I had got five certifications in one supplier. How do you report that out without quadruple or quintuple counting somebody, right? So sometimes multiple certifications makes it almost impossible for us to report accurately how we're spending our dollars. So my immediate response to that is not necessarily that there are too many certifications because people's identities are intersectional. And if you you have experiences that are intersectional, you may want to get those certifications for your business. My, My thought is maybe this certification system or the reporting conventions that yeah. have developed, you know, mid to late 20th century need to adjust right. to the way that we're talking about identity I, I, and community at this point. I completely agree. And I agree with you. It's intersectional, right? I think that is one of the things, boy, I cannot remember which conference I was at, but it was an NGLCC conference where they talked about intersectionality. And I was like, oh, thank you. That opened up so many questions in my mind. But what about this? I'll counter your counter, Matt. Okay. What if we just had one certification? Just a diverse owned enterprise, a DOE, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you guys can't see it because it's a podcast, but the shock on his face was outstanding. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not shocked. I'm actually not shocked. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking yeah, you've worked about, with me long enough not to be shocked by that. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I think the appeal of mm-hmm. a single mm. certification is, is clear, especially from yeah. the reporting side. Right. Agreed. Agreed. But then when I think about the fact that the government has set aside opportunities for Native American owned businesses or that certain companies are their their targets and goals are different based on who their employees are, who their consumer base is, what what communities they operate in. You might be really wanting to focus on developing and working with Black-owned businesses specifically, or Native American-owned businesses, Um, or you may really want to target the LGBTQ community. You know, sure. Um, Yes. So I could I could see that there there is a a real use to having multiple certifications. So I counter your countering of my counter and say (laughs) I still think that the reporting, the conventions around reporting. Right. need to change to to reflect the pe- fact that people are intersectional and that yes. a single person, if you are a Black woman who is a disabled veteran, you yep. deserve to be able to apply to opportunities that are specifically geared for Black people, women, and disabled veterans, like, yep. and all of yeah. them that you want to. So, I feel like it's it's worth it's worth preserving multiple multiple certifications in my mind, but I've never been no. on your end of this yeah. equation. It, and it makes it tough. And I'll say something. So I'm going to counter myself now. So I'm going to bolster your argument, countering my stuff. Okay. If you <laughs> all are I'm keeping shocked. score, at, if you all are <laughs> keeping score at home. The other thing too is issues in the LGBTQ plus community differ from the Black community, differ from the Asian community, different from the Native American community. Right. So there are different issues that those communities have that they're working through that they're trying to solve that are separate from the others, right? And so I think having those different organizations, the NMSDC, WeBank, the NGLCC, USPAC, mm-hmm. I think are great because that helps those communities address those issues that are core to those communities to help address 
to raise their worth inside corporate America, right? To bring equity to those specific cultures and to those specific areas, those demographics that need to be addressed, right? right? So I definitely see a need for the separate NGOs. I think my thing, is there a certification, right? Is there some way to go to a centralized certification, one centralized mm. database, one centralized cert that goes to everybody that is veteran, LGBTQ, you, uh, you know, Asian owned. But then inside of that, you have your separate NGOs that help address those issues inside those communities and help support those community leaders, those community business owners, right? Overcome those opportunities, address how they deal with corporates. Or to your point, which I think was excellently made, there are initiatives inside corporates. They're like, we need black tech. We need LGBTQ tech. We need Asian tech, whatever it might be, whatever initiative it might be that they want to go after those NGOs and help them identify those business owners. Again, to your point, to our example, a black female disabled veteran should be able to address any and all opportunities open to them. So I'm totally on board. Okay. So I was wondering if we can talk about some of those identity pitfalls when it comes to the kind of black and whiteness, binariness of it. Yes. And let's do that. So can I, can I mention two things? And and again, this is as yes. a newcomer to the space. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. Two okay. situations that I have heard about, not my direct experience, but they are the direct experience of two people that I work with. Um, okay. One is, well, let me just be transparent. One is Chloe. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, sure. um, okay. Chloe's business for which I work, um, Higher Ground, Mm -hmm. is a certified women-owned business certified by WeBank. Mm -hmm. And um, our business is also majority owned by Chloe, who is Black. And despite that, we have had a very hard time as an organization getting MBE status Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. not everyone's birth certificate says their race on it. Right. Exactly. And so... Then in order to prove your race, you have Mm -hmm. to get death certificates, which can be a difficult and complicated conversation of your relatives. And there's also a possibility that your relatives' death certificates also do not have their race. Exactly. Which, why should they? Which uh, I'm not sure. Um, And so, and then, so I recently heard from another um, Black executive that is, is actually a family member of mine. That Mm -hmm. um, the way that he's getting his business MBE certified is to submit his 23andMe, his genetic test, to show that a significant portion of his ancestry comes from the African continent. And to me, there's, and and I am a white person, but to me, there's something, there's something a little bit extreme about tying your minority business status to the need for submitting a, a genetic test. Mm-hmm. Um, and although that may be something that works for some people in the black community, I have a mm-hmm. feeling that it doesn't work for many people. And I am mm-hmm. almost certain based on my work with indigenous and native American people, that the idea of submitting mm-hmm. a genetic test to show that you are a certain percentage do native it. American mm-hmm. would be considered extremely inappropriate and oh, or yes. offensive. And then I have another very close friend who is also a colleague who is, who identifies as queer and mm-hmm. To get his certification um, with the NGLCC, something I didn't realize is that he actually had to connect them not just with his partner, but also with multiple other 
queer people, I believe who he has been in relationships with. And to, from what I understand, family too. They like almost interview family to make sure it's like, have you really seen them exhibit these behaviors for lack of a better term? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I've often thought many, about that, Matt. That's an excellent yes. point. Reaching out to ex relationships for, for help with getting a business certification. Right? That That's complicated. Not everyone is friends well, with their ex. That would be like, that would be like me trying to get a straight certification. I'm like, okay, so we need to talk to your wife and your two lovers before her, right? And I'd be right. Like, ah, I don't right. think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. It's the exact, the exact same thing. You know, the 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 only difference about it is that what happens is that the straight person or the white person in this equation, yeah. they don't have to pay they anything should. extra or do anything extra right. to have the best position in our economy, right? And then these certifications, which are absolutely, of course, aimed at leveling the playing field, actually require minority communities, business owners from minority communities to pay extra, to jump through extra hoops, um, to go through this process that isn't just a cost, which is, you know, for a medium-sized business, a really nominal cost, but it's still a cost. And then it's also a process where if you're a small business owner and you have to go through this process, it's also potentially somewhat traumatizing, you know, it, or compli- well, it's emotionally complicated. It's invasive, right? right. It, well, it's, in, it's invasive. It's invasive. Let's be honest. Yes. It's invasive. So it, well, certainly, I mean, we should for, be recording Chloe, right now. It, we, we are recording. We are definitely recording. Thank we should, yeah. So yeah, no, no, we're recording. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 um, it's complicated. And I, I wanted to, it you is know, complicated. Chloe, Chloe even, it Chloe is. even said like, you know, it feels a little bit like a black tax. Um, oh, it's totally. So, I completely see it that way. As the straight white guy, right? The, the person sitting in power, if you will, in this whole thing, right? I'm looking at this like, you got to be freaking kidding me, right? If I wanted to go open up a business right now, right? What do I have to pay for? I have to go buy, I have to get a lawyer to put together the LCC. If I didn't do it online somewhere cheap, right? I'd have to have startup capital and I could go to the SBA and prove for free that I was a small business. Well, guess what? Bingo, bango. I'm now an SBA. Anybody else, like you and I were just talking about, the, the, the LGBTQ owner? Oh, my goodness, right? You've got to go prove, yeah, I, <laughs> I am this orientation, essentially, right? I don't have to prove to anybody that I'm a straight white guy. I can do it all on computer anonymously, right? Without having to prove anything. I don't have to submit a birth certificate. I don't have to submit a marriage license. I don't have to submit anything other than documents to prove my ID that I truly am who I say I am. And this is truly my social security number. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all I've got to do, right? You would have to say, yes, so here's my partner and here's my family and here's my circle of friends and then open yourself up to interviews with these people, right? Because I've, I've, t- I've talked to NGLCC leadership about this and they're like, we really don't know any other way to do this, right? You know, right? And then to, to Chloe's point, it is a little bit of a black tax. She and I've talked about that before. Then the counter argument is, but for those of us who really care and want to protect this space, we're like, we got to have yeah. these certifications because we have fraud, to keep the creeps out. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Because think about it. Let's let's just take the LGBTQ community for a second. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a conference. Right. And have been um, people immediately assume I'm not straight. OK. I, I, I swear to you, this is true. Just because I enjoy dressing fashionably, keeping myself put together, smelling nice and looking good. Right. <sighs> people are. 
honestly, Matt, I'm not joking. Okay. I and because you work in supplier diversity. And I work in supplier diversity, right? They're like, oh, well, he's got to be gay. I'm like, oh, I got to not be, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I cannot tell you. I'm like, oh my goodness. But then the, the opposite side of that is I see, oh my goodness. Now I see how e- easy it is for my truly diverse brothers and sisters. The opposite side of like, oh my gosh, I just got judged. I just walked in a room. You know, I was like, wow, wow. Right. It's eye-opening. Right. It, that is eye-opening, Right. But then if I sat there and said, oh, if it's that easy for them to misidentify me, ooh, all I have to say is, oh, yeah, you're right. Not mention I'm married. Take my wedding band off. It, skip that part of the conversation. Boom. Right. So to protect folks like yourself that are actually part of the community, have been brave enough to come out. Right. You almost have to. So it's like a, it's a darn if you do, darn if you don't conversation. At one point, when I right. sit there and go, these certifications suck. Because the people we're trying to help, we're penalizing by making them certify. But then you sit there and go, yeah, but we've had to create the certifications because there are enough people out there trying to get away with something that we need to protect this group of people that we're trying to promote and have a true delineation and put a barrier around. It's a conversation. Let me tell you. it, It is a conversation. And that's, I guess, where I feel like, you know, at the end of this whole conversation today, what we are coming to is... The need for more conversation, the need yes. to convene the best yes. minds in this space from every, you know, from every corner of the space mm-hmm. to come together to say with the technology that we have, with, with the connectivity right. that we have, with right. the, the discourse we have, the evolving discourse that we have in this country around right. identity right. and uh, around economic justice, around mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. How do we update this very complicated thing? You know, right, right. How do we update it so that it speaks to where we are now? Because we haven't even talked about trans identities, and I don't no. know if we no, we haven't even gotten into that. You want to talk about? Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. You want right? to talk so, about intersectionality? Whoa, right. So, how do we update? the idea of certification, conventions about reporting, how do we update that so that it's still doing the job it needs to do for the people of today? And how do we update it so that we build into it the ability to evolve as this discourse Mm -hmm. and as the needs evolve? That's that's what I'm curious to to see convened. Great, great question. And I would say, and this is just my thoughts on this, right? I would look at the different industry groups that are out there. Right. So the technology supplier diversity groups, the FSRSDs, the tags of the Mm. world, they need to sit down and say, here's what our standard is for reporting. Here's what our standard is for defining what is and what is not a minority owned company. Here is what we want to see in the way of certification. And then going back to the NGOs and going, how do we make this happen? Or we think we you should do it this way. Right. The NGOs have so much going on and there's so much chaos in some of some of them right now, just trying to figure out where they fit in in this new world. Mm. I really would pin some of this responsibility back on corporates and outspoken leaders in these various communities to help corpus define this because corpus can't do it on their own. They're not all knowing, all seeing. Right. right? But they are the ones at the end of the day that control the purse strings. There is some power in that. So I would say that we we do have to lean on the corpse of like, we need you guys to step up and say, what does this look like? How, how do we need to report? How do we need to change the way this goes? And I will say to a, a point you made earlier, I would like to, on this, this show, kind of applaud WeBank, right? Mm. Because they will take trans identities, right? So 
for, for trans females, they will certify them as woman-owned businesses, right? And they will work with the NGLCC to honor those certifications. So hats off to them for understanding some intersectionality on that point. Love it, right? And I do know yeah. that uh, Novoba has uh, some intersectionality with the NGLCC as well as they do with Disability In, right? So they were sitting there going, for veterans disabled and Disability In's already, you know, certified them. We just need to see their DD-214, which is their discharge papers, but we'll give them veteran status too, right? So to those groups, keep it on, guys. That, that's the leadership right. we need, right? That's the leadership right. we need. So um, really good stuff there. But yeah, we've, uh, again, it, I, I like what you said, Matt. we got to have more conversation. The, what, the, at the end of the day, what we've come down to is we got to have more conversation over this. And just to sit there and go, this is the way we've been doing it, not going to cut it any longer. Right. It's just not. We're in a new place. We're in a new world. Things have changed and we can't just sit there and say, well, the old ways used to work. We're going to stick to them. Let's be a little bit more progressive in that thinking, please. I, I, you know, again, to your point. Excellent. Uh, The intersectionality. We that could be another whole show. You and I could do another whole show (laughs) on intersectionality and supplier diversity. And and what does that mean? Right. So um, but good stuff. Very, very good stuff. So uh, let me ask let me ask one final question uh, before we close out out our episode today. And and since you're kind of new, you know, I've I've been around the block for a while sitting here um, and and uh, you're kind of new to this space or newer than myself, maybe. Uh, What's your final opinion on certification? Right. One of your friends comes up to you and says, yeah, I'm thinking about getting uh, woman-owned or NGLCC certified. What What would you say to them? I would say, great. I would say, okay. do it. Okay. That's okay. excellent. I'm, I would tell them I'm glad to hear it. And I would tell them I'm excited to share with them the growth strategy that that can be a okay. part of. Absolutely. 100%. Excellent. Excellent. And in the next breath, I would say, you know, <laughs> but the foundations of this are complicated. Mm. They're complicated. Right. And yeah. they are both contestable and contested. But I, I don't it. think there's anything I wrong with it. I think in you know? all of my years, no, I was about to say, in all of my years of doing this, I think that's probably the best answer to that question I've ever heard. So I can't think of a, a, a better way to end our episode today. So Matt, thank you again for joining me today. You make an incredible stand-in host for Chloe. Uh, if she <laughs> well, keeps us I, up, <laughs> I don't know. This this might become the Adam and Matt show. I don't know, right? Well, People are going to yeah. have to weigh in. No one can fill Chloe's shoes, but I have enjoyed being here with you so much. <laughs> it and has. I was I was excited when Chloe too. said, "I I need you to do it today." So I was like, I was very excited to get to talk with you today. And, and Adam. honor for me too, sir. And honor for me too. And thank you, everybody. So much for listening to Matt and I today. Be sure to connect with both of us on LinkedIn at Matt Colatello and at Adam Moore on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous shows and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes as well. Talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.